0: hard, all right? So that is rain that you hear on the roof. I've already seen some of you like, what could it be? What could it be? It's definitely just rain, okay? And with the rain, there may be some lightning, there may be some thunder, the power may even go off. But I know it, man, you guys are big boys and big girls, and you can handle it, okay? And we've got these lip syncs coming. I know you're excited, but we're just gonna hit, like Dan said, don't, don't get tempted to sneak that out from underneath your chair, all right? So just a handful of minutes to focus on God's word. And I know you can do it. All right. Because I feel like tonight's word is super important. We've been hitting one word each night. First night was love. love. We talked about the father's love, that there's been an immense love displayed by God, the father to bring us who were in such rebellion so far from him to bring us back into fellowship with him. And last night we talked about Grace. grace. Life's not. Fair, right? But that's good because we shouldn't be interested in fair. Because if God was fair with us, we'd all be in a big hunk of trouble, all right? But uh, thankfully, he's gracious with us. He keeps his word to us. He's in control of our situation, and he's been abundantly gracious with us. He's given us more than we ever, ever could deserve. And so tonight we're going to come to another important thing that we've experienced if we know Christ, but we so uh, rarely seem to show other people. And tonight's word is this forgiveness, forgiveness. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. We've been going through these parables and tonight's parable starts in Matthew 18 and verse 21. And I'm going to start reading it. And so hopefully you'll be reading along. Matthew 18 and verse 21. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. And he refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your hearts. There is a epidemic of unforgiveness amongst the people of God. Forgiveness is not something that you find. What you find more often than not, you find it at every level. You find it amongst kids, you find it amongst adults, and you definitely find it amongst teenagers like you. You find people who hold on to grudges, who have some bitterness in them, that have, uh, that have gone crossways with somebody across the, uh, uh, you know, uh, across the time. And, and I read a quote that really summed up how most people handle the conflict in their lives. It, they, they, they put it like this, we often overlook the things that we should confront and we confront the things that we should overlook. See, oftentimes in our lives, we make really big deals out of things that don't matter, but the really big stuff that we need to deal with that's going to mess us up on the inside and how we relate to people, we tend to swallow that stuff to hide it, to stuff it down deep and to not really address it. And because we're bitter about these big things and we won't deal with the big things, we end up taking out our aggression on small things in a big way. And it starts to put wedges in between the relationships that we have with our parents, with our siblings, with our friends, with the people that are around us. And if you can't learn to deal with the conflict that's going to be a part of your life, conflict with people, listen, there's nobody who's perfect people are a mess. We're all a mess. And when we deal with each other, messes take place. When my mess runs into your mess, we get a much bigger mess, okay? So there's always going to be conflicts, things that go wrong. And if you can't learn to handle conflict now, man, you're going to have a rough go at it as you move into adulthood. But if you can learn now how to forgive, how to resolve, how to reconcile, it will change the way that you relate to people moving forward and the impact you're able to have on people because of the way you're able to forgive and you're able to treat people. Now, Peter is the one who's talking here right at the beginning of the parable, and he asks a question, and Jesus had been teaching the people, how it was that they should handle conflict. When somebody sins against you, when somebody does something wrong against you, how should we handle it? And Jesus takes them through some very practical steps. He says, listen, you should go to that person you know, as an individual and confront them and, and try to, you know, make an agreement and settle the difference between you, try to reconcile, put the you know, bring yourselves back together. And if that doesn't work, get a friend, like who's objective and bring him and get them to try to help mediate the situation. And if that doesn't work, go to the elders of your church and try to get them to help. And it's this thing where he says, keep working at it, keep working at it, keep working at it. And Peter's response to that is so funny because this is not what we want to do. And this is how we're wired and this is how I know it. Just like last night we talked about how we're so wired for jealousy that we're good with everything until we see somebody else with something better. and Then we're like, Ugh, I want that, right? We're also wired to remember the bad. Because I guarantee you, if I were to ask you a very specific, like, write me a list of 10 things that people have said to you that was really nice about you. You'd be like, um, somebody told me that. But if I were to ask you to write 20 things down that somebody said that made you mad or hurt you, you'd be like, can I do 100, right? It's easy because we latch on to those things. When people say hurtful things, man, our brains, our hearts, our souls, they latch on to those things and they take roots and bitterness begins to grow. We're wired to latch on to the negative. And so Peter immediately, he doesn't want to hear any more about the process of forgiving. He wants to know, well, how many times do I have to do that? Well, how, how many times is enough times? And Peter, it doesn't sound like seven sounds like a small number, but you have to realize that Peter was actually trying to sound super spiritual because in the Jewish tradition, you had the written law, which was the word of God, the Old Testament that they had. But you also had the spoken law. It's something that they called the Talmud, but it was the spoken law. And you'll hear sometimes Jesus refer to it in his teaching. He'll say, you've heard it said or, or, or it's been written, but it's not something that's found in the Old Testament. And what would happen is the people would go to the teachers, the rabbis, and they would ask them questions. They would get in kind of these weird, like, would you rather situations. And when they couldn't figure out the gray area, they would go to a rabbi and say, well, how, you know, how do we handle this? Because we can't find the answer in the law. And so the rabbi would make a statement, a declaration about it, and then that would get written down in the separate group. And they treated that as law, as almost as if it was God's word. And so in the Talmud, at some point, somebody had asked a rabbi, how many times should we have to forgive people? And that rabbi said three times, (laughs) like just three, and then you can be done with them. You can just get out of my life. And so Peter is trying to be super spiritual because, like, he's not even saying double. He's going, like, double plus one, right? He's like, how many times? Seven times. And everybody would be like, whoa, Peter. You know you only have to do three, right? And he's like, I know, but I'm a follower of Jesus, right? And Jesus looks at him. He's like, nah, Peter, not seven. How about 70 times seven? It's like, uh, 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 uh. And and again, this wasn't so that they had a list, and it's like, all right, that's one. I'll see you 489 more times, right? (laughs) You've only got so many more chances, friend. What Jesus is saying, he's making very clear, and this is what we're going to get into. I'm going to give you a couple phrases here about forgiveness, and here's the first one. The rule of forgiveness is unconditional, all right? That's the first point tonight. The rule of forgiveness is unconditional. Unconditional. He said, well, well, how often should I forgive? Well, well, what about this? What about that? And Jesus makes it very clear, you just don't stop. When he's talking about the frequency of how often we should be forgiving other people, Jesus says there's no limit on it. He says "There's, there's no, you should never stop. You keep forgiving and you keep forgiving and you keep forgiving. But there's something else about the rule when we talk about it being unconditional. Jesus said there's no limit on the amount of times you should do it but there's also no limit on the gravity of the offense. And this is where it begins to be difficult. Because we want to say, well, I'll forgive you for this and this and this. But if anybody ever did this to me, I could never forgive them. But you notice that Jesus doesn't put any sort of, of escape clause on this forgiveness deal. He says, no, you just keep forgiving. And this is, it gets tough. And I want you to, I want you to know I understand For some of you, there have been some real devastating things that have taken place in your life. For some of you in this room, even as teenagers, you've had somebody else who was maybe jealous of you, or there was some jealousy taking place, and so you got isolated from a group of friends and people that you were really close to. All of a sudden, you kind of got frozen out and moved to the outside, and these people that you thought were really close to you, now you're kind of on the outside looking in. Some of you, And so you've been in situations where in your home life, you've watched terrible things happen. You've watched maybe a sibling be abused. You've watched maybe a parent be abused. You've heard things said to people you love. You've had things said to you or done to you. And the wounds of those hurts go very deep. Maybe you've had somebody take advantage of you. And I I want you to hear me. I am not minimizing the gravity of those things. Those wounds are real, those wounds are valid, and there are real things that have to be worked out after something like that happens. But when it comes to forgiveness in that situation, Jesus is saying there is nothing that can happen that is so bad that as Christians, we do not offer that forgiveness. And this is where Christian maturity gets tough. This is where that kind of discipline and growth gets hard because there are situations where I can think of them right now. And and, and I can even think of things where it's hard for me to go, how could I ever forgive somebody if that? But Jesus is stating right up front, no, there's no shortage. And you say, well, what what if the person's not even sorry that they did it? Can I forgive them? I can think of two very clear examples in scripture that tell us Jesus is hanging on the cross, being murdered by the people that he came to save. He did nothing wrong, against, but they've sent him to the cross. And as he's hanging there and he's dying, some of the last words that he utters to these people who are murdering him is what? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Stephen, uh, a follower of Christ in Acts chapter seven, he's being pulled out because they're trying to squash Christianity and they decide they're going to stone him. And as he's standing out there giving his last beautiful sermon and declaration about Jesus Christ, it says that they begin to throw rocks at him and they begin to stone him and kill him. And as he's being stoned to death, it says that Stephen cries out to the heavens and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So even if the other person doesn't feel sorry, even if the person never asks for forgiveness, there's still a responsibility on the believer to offer that forgiveness. And it's obviously healthier if both people, if you've got one person going, hey, I was wrong and I apologize. And on the other side going, listen, I understand you hurt me, but I forgive you. And if you can put it back together, but even if that... And this is what you've got to get. Reconciliation is when two people come back together. Forgiveness, reconciliation is a duet. Forgiveness is a solo. You can't always get reconciliation, but you can always forgive. And so he makes very clear, you do it all the time and in every situation. The rule of forgiveness is unconditional. And you're like, but that seems super hard. Why could I ever be able to do that? And that's where Jesus gets into the parable because the rule of forgiveness is unconditional and the rationale for forgiveness is undeniable. That's the second point. The rationale for forgiveness is undeniable. And Jesus knows that they're gonna have a hard time with this so he jumps right into this parable and he starts to tell this story about these two about this servant, there's this master who represents God. And he calls in this guy to settle a debt. It says that he's settling his accounts. And this guy owes this master. And he owes him this unbelievable debt. And they start using some more of this Bible money terminology. And they use the word talent. Now, I'm, we're going to use some numbers. But I want you to understand these aren't like holy inspired numbers. It's kind of the best guesstimate that we can use, all right? So, like, this isn't... Okay, good. You're with me. A talent... And it says that this guy owed 10,000 talents. One talent was the equivalent of about 75 pounds of gold. It was the equivalent of 20 years of income. It's basically what a person would try to accumulate in their life so that they could retire. One talent. It would be the equivalent in in our money of about $600,000. One talent. And in this story that Jesus is telling, he says that the guy owes 10,000 talents. Now, for those of you that do quick math, you know that's $6 billion. $6 billion. And so the guy comes in, and of course, he owes him. And you're like, how is that even possible? It's a story, okay? It's a story. Jesus is making a point here. So this guy comes in, he owes six bill, all right? The guy's like, hey, it's time to pay up. And clearly the guy's like, uh, uh. I I don't have it on me right now. Like, if I could get a few more days, I'm good for it, man. And he's like, nah, that's enough. There's no way you're paying this back. So you, I'm going to get your wife. I'm going to get your kids. I'm selling you all into slavery. I'm going to take all of your property and assets, and I'm going to liquidate that. And actually, after I sell your wife and kids into slavery, I'm going to put you in jail until you can pay the debt. But you're obviously going to be in jail, and you're not going to be able to pay off the debt. And it says that the man, understandably, is in a panic. And he falls down and he begs him. He says, please have mercy on me. I'll pay you what you owe. And he's begging and he's begging. And it says that the master has compassion on him and he forgives him this unbelievable debt. It's, it's mind boggling the size of this debt. And what Jesus is saying, he's like, say like six billion dollars. I can't even get my head around six hundred dollars. And that's what Jesus is saying. he's saying is like, you can't even fathom a debt this big. You can't even begin to understand owing something this big. But yet, we will be able to understand as he gets farther into the story. Because what happens is that servant that gets forgiven. Now, think about it. He owed $6 It gets wiped off. And he goes out into the streets and immediately sees a friend. And that friend owes him some money. He owes him a 100 denarii. That's the money we were talking about last night. One denarii is about one day's wage. And so, it says that he owes him this money. uh, And he gets in and he's like, you know, you got to give me my money. And and he's really upset about it, about this denarii that's owed to him. And it says that he owes him a hundred denarii. And that's a few thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars. And some of you are like, what? A few thousand dollars is a big deal. But remember, he just got forgiven six billion and he goes out and he doesn't even like, all right, cool. I'll give you a couple days. He gets up on the dude like this And just starts like, give me my money. Don't tell your parents I choked you at church camp. All right? Just give me. And he's like, he's just choking the dude. And obviously, just like you would be if I had really just started choking him. Like, I gave you a dollar for a Coke. Give it back. Right? And just started choking him out during the sermon. Y'all will be like, oh, Pastor Dan, there's a situation. Pastor Josh is choking a kid out for a dollar. And so all of his friends are like, yo, he... Is that the guy that just got the six billion dollars forgiven? And not only does he choke him out, he says, "Take him to jail, right? Lock him up." And so he calls the Bible police, and they take him to jail, right? He's like, and so all of a sudden, word gets back to the master, and he brings him in, and he looks up, and he goes, "You wicked servant! How, after all I forgave you, how could you not forgive him?" Can you all see the clear rationale there? Like you got forgiven this huge debt. How could you not forgive this guy who owed you something that pales in comparison to what you owed? And now let's insert ourselves into the story. See, because even though we say we can't fathom a debt that's six billion dollars big, we can because the debt we owed was huge. It's not a monetary debt. It's a debt of sin. And the wages of our sin is death. We owed a debt. That we can't we owe a debt that we can't pay. And for anybody that's come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you understand that as Jesus died, he bore the wrath of God for every sin that's been committed. For if you've been saved, God bore Jesus bore on himself God's judgment for all of your sins, all of them. Every hurtful word. Every filthy thought, every sinful action, every hateful gesture, everything that you've ever done, thought about doing or will do, Jesus bore the wrath of that and he bore it so that your debt could be forgiven. And you came in owing all of that and Jesus said, remember this great exchange, give me all of your sin, you can have my righteousness. It's like a bank robbery, man. It's unbelievable. Jesus says, give me all of your mess. Take my righteousness. And for then us to go out and have somebody do one of those things against us. And us not being willing to forgive one of the things that Jesus paid for in full. Can you see where all of a sudden we've forgotten just how big the debt was that we owed? And if what we're to be doing is reflecting Jesus in this world, if we're to be the image of Christ, the way we treat people has to be a reflection of the way we were treated. And if we can't forgive what's been done to us, why would anybody want this kind of forgiveness that we're saying is offered to them? Because it obviously hasn't changed us at all. Us offering forgiveness, it's a picture of what we received, a small taste of what we've experienced. And Jesus gives us a very practical way to do it. And that's what I want to talk to you. I want tonight to be pretty practical for you because forgiveness can be hard. But I want to give you kind of in four steps. What do you do when you're in a situation? This is kind of like, now remember, I'm giving you the big points. This is kind of like underneath number two, all right? So I'm going to give you four things. When somebody does something against you, maybe somebody has already done something to you and you're still upset about it, you're still bitter about it, you're still mad about it. How is it that you approach forgiving that? Now, we're going to look at it like Jesus did in the story in the form of a debt, okay? So somebody sinned against us, it's a debt. The first thing you have to do is you have to honestly assess the debt. You got to know how much the debt is. Because what I find is often the way we react, we react, we usually react against things that aren't really the debt. Have you ever gotten mad with somebody about something and you realize you're not really fighting about the thing you're fighting about? You'll get married one day and then you'll understand. Um, But you got a friend and it's like, you know, things have been like friction between you and your friend. It's not quite right. And then all of a sudden, maybe you're at camp one night. It's like all of a sudden you've like, you've always borrowed each other's clothes, but because this other situation has happened, now you see your friend's shirt, it's like, why you got my shirt on. How dare you invade my privacy and take my shirt? It's like, yo, I've been taking your shirts for four years. Why is this the special shirt? And then you start getting down to the business that it's not really about the shirt, right? It's about the fact that she knew that you liked him and, and then you start digging, 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 digging. And then we get down to the root of what the offense is. See, before you can ever really forgive somebody, you've got to understand what the weight of the debt is. Just... Like, you got to understand what it is that you're forgiving. Because some of you are just going, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And you're sweeping these big debts under the rug, not realizing that you really haven't dealt with the gravity of it. It's kind of like if you were like, hey, you know, like, I owe you some money, Josh, and I don't remember loaning you the money. And you're like, is it cool if I just can't pay you back? The first question I'm going to ask you is like, how much money was it? (laughs) Because if it was a dollar, I'm going to be like, nah, we're good. But if somehow I forgot I loaned you like $1,000, I was like, nah, we got to work something out, all right? So there are things in life that they're not real big deals. And maybe we don't need to deal with it in big ways. But for some of you, there's really big things. And instead of sweeping these things under the rug, we've got to deal with them seriously because they're serious issues, all right? So you got to honestly assess the debt. You got to know what it is or what are we dealing with? What debt are we trying to deal with? Second thing is, so you honestly assess the debt. The next thing is is you try to seek agreement on the debt. You can go back tonight for homework, if you will, and read the back part, the first part of Matthew 18. And Jesus gives some very practical ways about going through. Because the goal in every situation, especially with forgiveness, should be reconciliation. It's offering forgiveness and putting the pieces back together and trying to restore the relationship. And yes, there are going to be consequences. There are going to have to be some things that are worked out. The boundaries may change and shift. But we're trying to put the relationship back together. And you've got to try to seek agreement on that debt. And what that means is you go to and you say, well, what should I confront? A lot of times we confront stuff just because maybe our pride got hurt. Most of the time, we should operate with benefit of the doubt. Most of us are way too easily offended, okay? I know this because I pastor at a church, and church people can be weirdos sometimes. And uh, and here's the kind of stuff that happens at church. So there'll be two people at church, and they've been friends for like 150 years. Like, they've just been friends forever. And, and so one day, I'll find one of them that's mad. And I'm like, "What's hey, what's going on? It's like, what? Huh? I was walking by sister so-and-so, and I said, hello, and she didn't even acknowledge me. Okay. Well, I'm like, um, and then what I usually find out is you talk to the person, and it's like, oh, cool, they were having a bad day. Or, oh, no, they were talking to someone, and their back was to you, and they didn't see you wave. Like, it's not, but we're always looking to be offended. Like, are they, are they whispering about me? What are y'all talking about? Are you talking about me? Right? How dare you? And oftentimes, it's our feeling, the little stuff, it'll go a long way if you can just learn to let go. The purpose of this sermon is not for you to have sit-downs over every little thing in your life, all right? Like, I don't want to see you after the service going, hey, uh, you know you cut me in the pizza line, right? It really, like, you got your pizza, it's all cool, okay? But if it's a big deal, something that hurts you, hurts their testimony, hurts the testimony of Christ... They've really sinned against you and there are consequences that come with those actions. You need to really try to humbly address that thing and go, listen, you did this and it hurt me. But I don't want this relationship to be broken. So I listen, I forgive you for what you've done, but we need to see if we can settle this thing and figure out why this happened. And sometimes that happens and it's a beautiful thing, but sometimes it doesn't. So what do we do? Now, this is what's so hard. You got to cancel the debt you got to cancel the debt. That's the third thing. And this is going to sting. Listen, if you did owe me 1000 bucks, right, and I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. First of all, you'd be like, Pastor Josh is the coolest, right? Like, he'll just lend you $1,000 and be like, nah, it's good. But here's the reality. And even if I, like, was happy about it, like an insane person, um, it still cost me 1000 bucks, right? Like, I'm not getting my $1,000 back. It's going to hurt my bank account. I'm going to have to work to recoup what was there. It's going to sting a little bit. And listen, when you cancel a debt, if there's somebody who you're willing to forgive, but they're not willing to reconcile and put it back together, if you decide to cancel that debt and say, you know what, I forgive you anyway, there's still going to be a little bit of sting there. There's still going to be some hurt. There's going to be a little bit of "Mm," that you're going to have to fight and work through. But so but you got to keep after it. It's going to be painful, but it'll bring peace. And this is where it gets really important. You cancel the debt and you say it's good. And this is the tough one. You got to forget the debt. You got to forget it. And this is the thing we struggle with the most. Now, there's a phrase that we use all the time and it's not really in the Bible, but the principle is in the Bible. We always see we hear people say that Jesus has taken your sins and he's cast them into the sea of Anybody ever heard this? Obviously not. Never mind. Okay, maybe it's a generational thing. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a hard right turn. Your parents know the for maybe some of the adults in the back. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness. What that comes from is Micah 7.19. You can go back and read it later. Micah 7.19. Talking about our iniquities. It says that. Jesus, that God, he literally takes our iniquities and he like stamps them and crushes them under his feet. And then it says that he throws them deep into the sea. And it's this idea that he's cast them. Uh, It says in other places, as far as the east is from the west, you know, like he's forgotten about it. But you hear people say this, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. The problem is we don't forget anything. We don't forget anything. So how do you forget the debt? There's this lady named Clara Barton. She was one of the founders of the Salvation Army. And uh, she was having this conversation with a guy once, and the guy was trying to kind of stir up a problem that she had had with somebody else. And he's like, it was a reporter, and he was trying to talk to her about somebody that had said something bad about her. And he was like, yeah, and they said this, and they said that. And then, and she's like looking at him like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. And so he's getting kind of frustrated, and he's like, but they clearly said this, and I have the statement right here. And she's like, mm, I, don't, I don't remember. And he's like, are you telling me you don't really remember this? And she said, no, I clearly remember forgetting it. And so he's yeah, like, burn, got him. All right, like <laughs> iced him. All right, but what, here's the point. Forgetting is not about forgetting. When I say forget the debt, what I'm saying is this. Forgetting means remembering it is forgiven. Remembering it is forgiven. That when Satan brings that thing back up in your mind with one of your friend comes to you and starts whispering in your ears, you say, no, we dealt with that. It stung, it hurt, it pierced, but we've dealt with it. And and I forgave them and they received the forgiveness. And just like God's forgiven me for the things I've done and he's not bringing them up against me to accuse me and condemn me, I'm not gonna do that to my friend because we've settled this thing and I've canceled it and I've forgotten it, which means it's forgiven and I remember that I did it. And this is how you start working through this process of forgiving people. Again, it's a choice to remember it is forgiven. So the rule is unconditional all the time in every situation. The rationale, it's very clear. The rationale, it's ironclad. Listen, you've been forgiven 10,000 talents. It's time for us to start forgiving a denarii. We've been forgiven 6 billion. It's time for us to start wiping those small change debts off the table. And he shows us how we can do it. But there's one small point here at the end. And it's important that you get this. The results of unforgiveness are unthinkable. He says something in the last two verses. He says, listen, for the one who won't forgive. They'll be cast into outer darkness. And here's basically what's being said here. Something happens. When you get saved, the Bible says that God doesn't just make you a better version of you. The Bible talks about, we use the word regeneration. We, John chapter 3 talks about it as being born again. That literally we're a new creation is what it says in other places in the New Testament. That we're a new creation. We're made new from the inside out. That we were dead in trespasses and sin. And that we were literally brought to life. And when that happens, we're given a new heart. A new heart. A heart that not only can receive forgiveness, but now can offer forgiveness. A heart that understands it's been forgiven, so now I can extend that same forgiveness. And what Jesus is making clear, if you have a heart that is bitter and hard and cold, and you've heard this whole sermon, and you can't imagine even being in any situation where you would forgive these things or forgive anyone, it very well may be evidence that your heart has never been changed. And if your heart has never been changed, you've never been born again. And you die without Christ, you spend eternity separated from him. And that's just the clear truth of the Bible. It's a place called hell. It's just real. And he says, you've got to use this as a moment to examine your life and say, if I've been, I say I've been forgiven, but I'm unwilling to offer any sort of forgiveness. I say that I've been changed, but there's no evidence of any change. I say that I've been made new from the inside out, but there's no fruit to give any evidence that I am a new creation. Maybe everything that I'm saying has happened hasn't really happened. And I need to reevaluate everything from square one. And so tonight's invitation is in three parts. Three parts. Sermon's already done. Invitation's in three parts. First thing is some of you have a dead heart that needs to be made alive you need to be saved. You need to receive forgiveness, okay? You need to receive forgiveness. And just like we did the first night, the second night, in just a moment, as soon as the band gets up here, you're going to be able to go back there, grab one of those adults and say, listen, I'm not saved. I've got a dead heart. I need Jesus. Show me how I can give my life to Christ, how I can be saved. And we'll take you to the word of God and we'll show you. That invitation is still open. It's open all week. The second thing is, some of you who have been saved, and hear me on this, this is going to be a big deal for some of you. Some of you who have been saved, you need to forgive yourself. See, some of you have been saved and you've been forgiven, but you don't even recognize that you've been forgiven. And you're letting Satan, you're letting some of the other naysayers in your life bring up the things that you used to do, the things that you were, the things that you used to be involved in. And listen, that's not to say that once we get saved, that everything gets wiped clean. We all mess up. We all fall short. But there's some big stuff in your past that even though you've given your life to Christ, even though you've been made new from the inside out, man, it still haunts you. And you're not making any progress because you're still being weighed down by all of this junk in your past that Jesus is going, I remember forgiving that. I remember forgiving that. Are you willing to acknowledge it as forgiven? And so some of you need to spend some time, maybe you need to go talk to an adult because this is a big deal and say, I've got this situation X that happened in my past and I just can't seem to shake it even though, no, I've been forgiven. I can't seem to forgive myself for the mistakes I made. And here's the third thing and this is where it's going to get real, really real, all right? Some of you need to ask for forgiveness from somebody else. See, some of you, they may not be here. It may be a parent at home. It may be a friend. Somebody that you know you did wrong. And maybe you just need to jot a little note in your notebook or make a mental note. And the first thing when you get home is fire off that text. Well, actually, don't send a text. Make a phone call. See them in person, face to face, and humbly say, you know what? I I hurt you, and I understand what I did, and I need you to forgive me. But here's what I think is probably true, too. I got a feeling there's some people in this room. And you need to ask for forgiveness tonight. You need to just very quietly and not make a big scene, but in a moment when we stand up and start singing, just slide out of your seat and go grab that person and be humble. Listen, settle the debt and start that with humility. Say, I know I hurt you and admit what you did. I know I said X or I know I did this. I know I wrote that and I know it hurts you and I love you and I shouldn't have treated you that way and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And they begin to work putting those pieces back together. Because there's no need for the distance that exists between some of you. There's no need for the friction and the bitterness to keep growing. Your debts have all been canceled. So why don't we start canceling some of those small change debts tonight, all right? Close your eyes for me as a second while Jonathan comes. Let's just, we just want to get in an attitude of prayer. And Jonathan's going to play. And and as he sings, if you get to a point, you're ready to stand and worship, stand and worship. But Brother Dan's going to be down here with me. And whatever you need to deal with, you say, you know what? I'm not really sure that my heart has been forgiven. Come and talk to us. You say, you know what? I'm dealing with some junk in my past, and I need to figure out how to settle that. Come talk to us. And this is the moment right now. If you've got somebody in this room and you know you need to settle a debt with them, now's the time to go ahead and get up, move, track them down. Listen, this is where I don't want everybody gawking around, trying to figure out people's business. Again, big boys, big girls, you can do this. Mature brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray in these moments that you would have the best of our attention and that, God, we would listen as you speak. God, I pray that if they're in here and they're lost, and, God, you're calling them, I pray that they would step out in faith so we can show them how it is they can be saved if they're here and they've been saved but they're just haunted by their past that they would come talk to us because god they don't have to live in that condemnation there's no condemnation in christ and god i pray that if they know that there's somebody in this room that they've hurt, that they would really humble themselves and take that mature step to say you know what i messed up but we can make this thing right god i pray that you'd have your way in this service and we ask it in jesus name as jonathan sings you move when you're ready
1: blind, dead in sin capable doing Death desert separation compelled by love to my place. Absorb the wrath you make the lake. here I stand to lie and clean.